Man, I felt that one. I was like, yeah. Great job too, church. What's up? That's what's up. Amen. It's a packed house. Okay, it's, everybody's in here today. Okay, cool. Amen. Well, you guys may be seated in the house. What a, what a great time. Thanks for pressing in. Um, those that have been a part of church for a while, thanks for pressing in. I'll tell you, man, it's moments like that that we just desperately need it. You know, there, there's been a season inside of our church. And, you know, I, I was talking to uh, one of the board members this past week who's a good friend, and we, we chatted up all the time. But he, he reminded me of the story of Joseph of Arimathea uh, that literally was a wealthy man. And when Jesus died on a cross, he was the one that went the next morning to take the body, him and another man, take the body of Jesus and place it in his own tomb. And this individual was caring for the body of Christ when it was at its mo it was most vulnerable. And I'll tell you, there, there's, a, there's a, a place of spiritual maturity that when believers inside of the house move away from consumerism into contribution, they move beyond what is it doing for me into a place of what am I doing for the body of Christ. And this is when there's, there's moments in time whenever the body of Christ is vulnerable. And I'll tell you today, if you are a mature believer that is not a consumer but a contributor, the body of Christ is vulnerable today. More vulnerable today than it has been even over the last two years of COVID. COVID has exposed the, the essence of what the body of Christ was. Now we are living in the reality of who we are. It's been revealed. Now we are living in who we truly are post whatever COVID. And what we are discovering is that there's a whole generation of individuals that the statistics showed pre-COVID. There was professing Christians, but not behaving Christians. There are people that said they knew God, but they were not practicing. And here we are in a generation where COVID has exposed it and now we are living it. People have come accustomed to not having God apart, church a part of their life. And the body of Christ is vulnerable right now. Now here's the deal, the greatest hope, the gospel of Jesus Christ. Who's the head of this house? Jesus. Who's the head of his church? Jesus. The body of Christ is vulnerable. And it's going to take a Joseph of Arimathea and in those individuals, the body of Christ, mature believers that say, when the body of Christ is vulnerable, I step in. It's me that steps in because I want to protect the body when it's most vulnerable. And this is the season we live in here today. If you are a mature believer, it's going to take all of us in this season, and it's going to take, maybe this should be the shift that happened. I think, I mean, that's all God allowed. God allows things to happen right? It's all under his control. If this has been allowed, then there's, is there a remnant of people that are going to rise up? Amen. A remnant of faith-filled, Bible-believing, Christ-centered individuals that's going to rise up in a generation and say, it doesn't matter what those ha others have done. It's what I am doing when the body of Christ is vulnerable. And it could shift the entire... If you weren't here whenever we started 20, uh, 2020, I said at that moment in time, I believed at that moment in time, maybe I was more prophetic than ever at that moment in time, the beginning of 2020, I said, um, this next year, 2020, would set the precedence for what the rest of the century would look like. And how we conducted ourselves and what we did in this season through all of these challenges will ultimately determine it would set the tempo for the rest of the century. And I'm believing right now God is doing exactly that. 
He's raising a generation up that in spite of all of it, they know who Jesus is. Forget the religious part of it. Forget being a religious person. I think there's a remnant of people that have found a true relationship with Jesus and are willing to press in in face of ev all the chaos in which we're living in here today. Amen? So I don't know why I'm giving you that. First service didn't get that, but you got it in Jesus' name. The body of Christ is vulnerable, and uh, mature believers got to step up when it's vulnerable. So welcome to Pro Street Church. We are a church after the unchurched. Amen. Uh, unchurched meaning de-churched or never been to church. I just talked to a couple last week that walked through our doors for the first time. They said the last time we were in church is when we got married, which was a couple years ago. And before that, it was whenever we were kids, somewhere around in there. And I was like, well, you're at the perfect place because that's what we are here for, right? We are, we're here to see unchurched people come to know Jesus Christ. And we're not changing our mission in Jesus' name, right? The enemy's got to change his plans. We, gotta, we ain't changing our mission in Jesus' name. Now, we are in a series uh, called Romans. We started last week. And if you were here, we're, we're looking at the book of Romans in, uh, from a, a, a big picture and kind of grabbing themes off of it. Um, I'm not a verse-by-verse -verse guy, but I will read a lot of scripture here today. So if you uh, want to, make sure you take some notes. Uh, if you don't want to, take some notes. Um, you remember 80% more when you take notes. So dive in. We're going to read a lot of scripture here today. Uh, it probably will be a little more teachy-esque, my teacher style. Um, but there's a lot of scripture we're going to read, so go with me on the journey. But we're in this series, uh, Romans, and last week we talked about... Uh, the world has a problem, right? We, we talked about, man, the world has a problem and, and, it's a, and it's a problem, sin entered into the world and uh, it's an issue with everybody, right? We, we go our own way, we don't want God, we move him out of the equation and when we do that, we create idols and things to, in the image of to, that we can worship rather than worshiping the, uh, the almighty God and we do uh, egregious thing in God's eyes and you see that across the world. But here's the deal we talked about last week. Well, the second part of that is we can look at the world and say they're messed up, but here's the deal. Paul says the reality is we're all messed up, okay? We're all messed up and we need Jesus and we can live from that perspective. So the last thing we said last week is Jesus is the solution to the world's problem, our problem. It's a sin issue, right? So if you want to take notes, you can write this across the top of your paper. Um, salvation with benefits. So we've talked about salvation World's got a problem, we got a problem. Salvation is through Jesus Christ and Christ alone. This week I wanna talk about salvation with benefits because here's the deal, you get saved, it comes with benefits. There's benefits that come with salvation. It's the same thing with any membership. Anybody part of it, like a membership, you're a part of something and you get the benefits of like all the stuff. I mean like when Lifetime Fitness came to town and we were a member of Lifetime Fitness, I was like, we get a rock gym? Our kids get like uh, a water park out back? This is amazing pools, gym, all the workout equipment. You can drop your changuitos and changuitas off <laughs> while you work out. Like that's crazy. Free childcare. That's crazy, right? But it's, a, it's a being a member. I mean, it's, it's part of being a member. I mean, UT, uh, USAA, um, thankful for my father-in-law that served in the military. Uh, we get to be a part of USAA, like, which is awesome. Now, you're supposed to get better rates at USAA and all those things. I haven't found that to be true. But what I have found... <laughs> What I have found that when I call Lock and Terry and we want to stay there for a night, if you're a USAA member, you get the fees they charge you, like the resort fees and all that's taken off pretty much what it is. Like you get $40 off the room. I was like, what? I'm a member. Yeah, cool. Give me that money off. Thank you. In Jesus' name, right? It's incredible. 
Now, there's, there's things all across our lives that we can be a part of that gives us a benefit to other things, right? Relationships, we get a friendship, we get somebody that can care and love for us throughout you know, uh, our, our lives and as we're growing. We get uh, a marriage, in theory, you're supposed to have a lifelong partner of love, okay? No, give me We'll just, we'll say it as it is, okay? I'm not gonna joke in this realm. But you get a lifelong partner of love that you get to build a family with and then you get these two individuals that come together and create things that look like them and usually are just as messed up as them because they're creating, <laughs> right? But in these relationships, you get the benefit of the joy and inside the marriage relationship with God has, there's the intimate things that get to happen inside of the marriage context and, and relationship, oh, it's all these cool, good things. You think about a company you work in, the, the, the business, the, the place where you have a calling and you place your talent in, that place even has benefits. Now, some have better benefits than others. Some like do better 401k programs, but some have better medical programs. I mean, back in the day, they used to pay for all the medical stuff. Now we have to pay for all the medical stuff and it's supposed to be a benefit that we get lower costs. I don't know. I mean, I'm, I'm, you get what I'm saying? You, you can be a part of something. You, you can say yes to something. It comes with benefits. With the same thing with salvation, there's benefits that, that we get by being saved by grace through Jesus Christ. It's a beautiful experience. It's a beautiful thing that we get to be a part of as the body of Christ. Amen, we should. Amen, whatever song that was. Whatever song that was. Should I sing? Something like that I heard. <laughs> should I be saved? Yes, you should. Amen. That song, that's God just reminding you. Yes, you should. And it is a benefit. Amen. <laughs> But there's massive benefits that come with it. And I'm just going to name two off here today, but it is a lot more of that. There's, there's so many benefits. I mean, one that I don't have inside of here, but it's very similar. Is you, nothing short of the kingdom of God being saved. You get the kingdom of God. Amen. Through the blood of Jesus Christ, you get eternity. Amen. Right? There's these beautiful things. But I'll start off here today by we get a family. And that, the benefit of being saved is you get a family. We get the body of Christ. We get this family. We get people that are like-minded. We get individuals that have been saved by the same grace, that have the same value system, that are reading the same Bible, and have the same biblical principles that want to see the same things happen here on this. We get this family, and it doesn't matter how jacked up our families are. Because we come from a broken world, and our families may be jacked up. Amen. But we get family. Amen. Yes. <laughs> Amen. I wish you'd have said amen on the family of God part, but you're... <laughs> Just point the camera at them and be like, yep, yep. We will send that to your family, right? But we get the family of God. It's this beautiful thing. Now, here's the deal. This family of God is much bigger than this moment in time. I mean, it, it, this has been spoken for thousands of years of the family of God upon the face of the earth. And, you know, we're a church after the unchurched. And sometimes we talk about the promise that came from Abraham, this covenant that was given to him, but we don't necessarily articulate it. It's something to assume that you understand, but... I thought, you know what? How about we just go down the journey of understanding that everybody's on the same page, that we know this is bigger than just a moment in time, that it's so much bigger, that we have a, a responsibility that comes with this family. You know, there was a time where Adam and Eve ate the apple and sent it into the world, and the challenge was that men now had to work by the sweat of their brow, and women would have labor pains, and they would desire the leadership position of the home. That's the reality of the consequences of allowing ourselves for sin to come in, and they would have these children, Cain and Abel, and Abel, they would both bring their, their gifts unto the Lord, their, their, their tithes unto him, and essentially Cain got upset because his gift wasn't as acceptable as his brother Abel. Anybody have some sibling rivalries? And The second sin was death, murder, 
by one brother to the next. You find the world was corrupted. The world had an issue. Sin was in the world. It was an issue. Even in the first man and woman were on the earth, what they produced, sinful, killing each other. What in the world? God looked at humanity and said, man, they're all destructive. I want to reset this process. There's only one individual that is actually living this thing out. It's Noah and his family. They're actually God-fearing. They're God-loving. You know what? I'm going to reset the earth. Hey, Noah, I want you to do something. Go and spend 120 years building a gargantuan of a boat because the rest of the world is jacked up. Rain has never fell from the sky, but Noah, rain is going to fall. The earth is going to be flooded. Go ahead and build this boat. And Noah had the faith to believe what God said was true. He was willing to hear God do it. God said in spite of whatever all the ridicule ridicule people are like what are you talking about it's never rained out of the sky before it's never flooded what are you talking about and Noah did it 120 years built this gargantuan boat. the rain would fall it would begin to rise up and God told him gather up all the animals of the earth two by two and put them on this boat and you find this story that we all hear on felt boards all that stuff in Sunday school what did God do he preserved a group of people that honored him and served him What does it mean? Everybody else, they faced a consequence. You get Noah and his children, Sham is his oldest children, or his oldest child, and essentially, you get eight generations down from Noah, you get a man named uh, Terah. Terah was an individual that lived in modern-day Iraq. He had a son named Abraham. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the fathers of our faith. Abraham, has this promise. God called him out of the land of modern-day Iraq, Ur of the Chaldeans, and he called him out of that land and said, go to this place. And this is where we pick up here today. It says this. It says in Romans, so the promise is received by faith. In Romans, you flip over to Genesis where it starts to talk to uh, Abraham. It says, the Lord has said to Abraham, leave your native country, your relatives, and your father's family, and go to the land that I will show you leaving modern day Iraq and I'm going to show you this land so they leave and go to the land I will show you I'll make you into a great nation key statement God is making a statement to a man Abraham I'm going to make you into a great nation I'm going to God of creator of the universe I'm going to do this for you this one man Abraham I'm going to make you into a great nation I will bless you and you uh, and make you famous and you will be a blessing to others key statement I'm going to bless you and you will bless others. You are going to be made famous. Goes on to say, I will bless those who bless you and curse those uh, who treat you with contempt. All the families on earth will be blessed through you. Another key statement. All the families of the earth will be blessed through you. So here's the deal. Abraham's like, okay, cool. I'm gonna do what you said for me to do. I'm gonna leave my, my town. Uh, I'm gonna travel up here. Here's, the, here's a map of kind of where they were at so you have an understanding of it. They're over here in modern-day Iraq, down here, or the Chaldeans. They would travel up to Haran, up here in southern Turkey, just north of Syria. They would be there until Terah, the father of Abraham, would pass away. Then they would pick their stuff up. Abraham and Lot, his nephew Lot, would travel down to the land of Canaan inside of here. That is the journey. Now, this whole land right here, scholars get dive deep into this realm right here of the promised land for the Israelites, based on this Abrahamic promise that was given to him, leave, I'm going to show you a place. This is the place in which God showed to Abraham that he was going to give him right there. Modern day Israel. Now you get into Palestine, you get into two different religions, Muslims and Christians, and both of them come back to the bloodline of Abraham, but one moves through one son, another one moves through the other, and it gets really tricky inside of there. I'm not going to go into that today, okay? I know some of you guys are like, oh, sweet, we go in there today. Okay, I'm not. 
You can go on YouTube and look it up, and there's, there's uh, theologians and scholars that will go deep into that on what all those complexities are and where the blessing flows from. But essentially, when it comes down to it, Abraham uh, was a man of faithfulness. The promise came to Abraham. If you flip over, Abraham is in this place where he's questioning, well, God, you gave me this promise, but I don't have a son. How, how is this blessing supposed to flow through me when I don't have a blood heir, right? The blood, the blessing flows with the blood. The blessing flows with the heir. He had a relationship with Sarah. They could not have a ch child. But God says, hey, don't worry. So moving on inside of here, this is the question he's asking. Do not be afraid. Abraham, I will protect you and you will, uh, your reward will be great. But Abraham replied to the sovereign Lord, what good are all these blessings when I don't even have a son? Now, Abraham's moving around and God's favor is on his life and everything that he's doing. But he's coming to this place on like, I don't have a son. So he flip over, God would give him this, this promise here. And then the Lord said, uh, took Abraham outside and said to him, look up into the sky and count the stars if you can. That's how many descendants you will have. May the sky never look the same to you again as a follower of Jesus Christ after today. May you look up into the heavens and say, wow, this is the same sky that Abraham saw. And a promise came through Abraham that said, I will bless you. And to this point, uh, and Abraham, uh, he says, that's how many descendants you will have. I'm going to bless you. You're going to be a blessing to the world. You're going to be this great nation. And look up at the stars, and that's how many descendants you're going to have. Right? You might as well just name one of the stars and be like, well, I'm one of those stars. Amen. <laughs> it goes on to say, and Abraham believed the Lord, and the Lord counted him as righteous because of his faith. He didn't see the air, but he believed what God said, and went with it. He's like, okay, oh, I don't see it, but I'm just going to believe what you said. And I'll tell you, a life of faith is a lot of that. God, you said it. I do it. I believe it. It's in alignment with your word, right? It's in alignment with your word, but I don't believe it. You spoke it. I'm going to trust you with it. This is a life of faith, and I'm just going to keep on moving forward with it. God counted Abraham as righteous because he believed it when he didn't see it. Now, you may know the story as it goes on. Sarah would have a child at 90 years old. A Lord would show up and say, hey, your wife's going to have a child. She laughs. <laughs> He's like, why are you laughing, girl? I'm serious right now. <laughs> you 90, she's like, uh, <laughs> I don't know about that, right? Imagine trying to worship up in here at 90 years old. Some of you guys in here are like, oh my God. <laughs> 90 years old, she has a child. It would be the bloodline of Abraham. He would have Isaac. Abraham was a man following God, willing to give up everything. He would even march Ab uh, Isaac up on top of a mountain at one moment in time, willing to take his life because that's what God said to do. But there was a ram in the thicket that was the ultimate sacrifice that came out that he sacrificed him. But God said, man, because you got my heart, you got my heart, you'll do anything. I'm blessing you, Abraham. So the blessing, the promise, the blessing that we walk in here today is tied to Abraham. I know I took you on a little history lesson, but we are a church for the unchurched. And so some, I don't want to just talk about things sometimes for you to be like, oh, what in the world are they talking about, right? This has been developing for thousands of years. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, the bloodline of Jesus would flow through all of that. The promise comes through the bloodline of Abraham based on the, this promise right here that was given to him thousands of years ago. So you jump over inside of Romans chapter four, verse 16, it says, it is given, moving on, the promise was given, it is, a, it is given as a free gift and we are all certain to receive it, whether or not we live according to the law of Moses, if we have faith like Abraham's, amen, for Abraham is the father of all who believe. Everybody who believe, we're reading New Testament right now, and Paul is bringing up this story to say, Father Abraham, right? Anybody ever seen the song back in the day? Father Abraham and many sons 
and many sons of Father Abraham, and I am one of them, and so are you. So let's just praise the Lord, right arm, left arm, right foot, left foot, everything else in between, spin around, all that other stuff. It was awesome. That's why we sang the song whenever we were younger, amen. Woo! We need to bring that one back in kids' church. I'm making a request this week. In Jesus' name. So Abraham is the father of all who believe. Anytime you hear that song, or maybe you just need to sing that song this next week, right? Maybe you're 30 years old and you didn't have kids' church. Just have kids' church this week, right? Put it on YouTube and just do all the movements. And man, just take yourself back for a moment. Be a kid. Just live a little. It'd be fun. All right, so that is what the scriptures mean whenever God told him, I have made you the father of many nations. This happened because Abraham believed in the God who brings the dead back to life and who creates new things out of nothing. Amen. Because he believed, he made him into this father of many nations, many people, have many descendants. The next time you look at the sky, see something completely different. Now, in Romans chapter 11, it would speak to where we're at here today. So I'm going to jump into this. But some of, us, some of these branches from Abraham's tree, some of the people of Israel, so God has a chosen people, Israel, whom he selected. Abraham is this bloodline of people called the land of Canaan. Land of Canaan. These individuals have the Jewish faith. God has given them the law. They're following the law. To this day, they're still following the law, okay? So there's a Jewish group of people that do not believe that Jesus ever showed up, that the Messiah has ever come. They're still waiting for King Jesus. They're, they're waiting for the kingdom of God to be established here on this earth. When Jesus came in a manger as a lowly child of a, of a carpenter, they're like, this ain't our king, can't be our king. He's supposed to be coming out of the cloud on a white horse with like this sword and he's gonna re reset the kingdom here on this earth. So Jews rejected Jesus coming in the service form. Now, here's the reality. What we believe on the other side, as Gentiles, what we believe is we do serve King Jesus. Why? Because he conquered death, hell, and the grave. It just looked different than what man perceived it to be. He is a conqueror. Where, oh, death, where is your sting? That's why we say that in 1 Corinthians. Where is your sting? Because Jesus has conquered death, hell, and the grave. So that's the beauty of what we walk in here today. Now, there is a, uh, 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 he's using this metaphor on an olive tree, but there are people that have broken off that are inside of that. They just don't believe. They rejected it, right? Uh, They're not following it. And it says, and you Gentiles, that's us, anybody, doesn't matter what race you are, where you come. If you are not a Jewish individual, you are a Gentile. Make sense? So we're reading the Bible. It's all, anytime you hear Gentile, they're speaking to anybody non-Jew. Make sense? Okay. I don't know if I need to make sense a lot, but I'm gonna, I just want to make sure we're clear. We're going, we're tracking together. Okay. Trying to work it all together. Cause I, what I want is our church to have a clear understanding that when we're on the other side of this, this is bigger than just us showing up, right? This is not just us showing up on a weekend. This is thousands of the years in the making that we're a part of something far bigger than ourselves. And sometimes you can get caught in the religious activity of what you do with no understanding of why you do it. And this is the point. If you got understanding, it's different conviction on why you do it. So something bigger. So this olive tree is what she's using. Now we're Gentiles who were branches from a wild olive tree. And I know some of you guys are really wild olive tree. <laughs> but what's the reality? We've been grafted in. This beautiful tree, God's tree, the olive tree, some branches have been broken. But the beauty is the Gentiles 
We've been grafted into this beautiful olive tree, right? We may be wild, but we got that wild part. Praise God for it. So now you also receive the blessing uh, God has for who? Abraham. That's where we come in. We're like, yeah, we may be late to the party, but we're here. <laughs> we the wild child. All right, cool. And his children sharing in the rich nourishment from the root of God's special olive tree. Amen to the amen. We are grafted into the body of Christ. We're grafted into the kingdom of God. We're grafted into the children of God. This is a beautiful thing. It's a promise given to Abraham that came all the way through the bloodline. And then Jesus Christ shows up. And this blood was spilt that we could be grafted in to this family. Now, here's the deal. We are all part of something bigger than ourselves, bigger than this space and this place right here, right now. It has is, it is been going on for thousands of years in the making. And the beauty is that this has so much power to it that why do you think the enemy would want to destroy it? If, you, if there's one thing, one of the things I think COVID did for the world is it was an attack on the body of Christ, no doubt about it. Because the body of Christ was always meant to gather together. Because there's beauty in connecting and relating with each other, being connected one to another. We were never meant to do life alone. We were always called to do it in relationship. But the lie of the enemy that's been exposed through COVID is we are good temporarily by ourselves. We like the idea that we got our weekends Heather and I went to the beach more over COVID than at any other time in our lifetime. I preached on Thursday to a camera. I was packing right after the message. <laughs> and we went to the coast. And I watched it just like everybody else. And then we'd come back the next week. We'd have different community things that we were doing at that moment in time. And we were connecting or whatever internally the best we could. And then it was the weekends. Now, this is where the body of Christ is vulnerable. There is an idea and a concept that has been developed over a long period of time, not just through COVID, but has ex been accentuated that faith is personal. I can do it by myself now. I don't have to go. I'm out of the practice. I was okay through COVID, so I don't necessarily need it. And this false identity of isolation has sprung upon people that were professing Christians, but not necessarily contributing Christians. There were individuals that went to church to consume and it felt like when they're at home, they can consume just like when they went to church. But here's the deal. We were never meant to just consume. We were meant to contribute. It was supposed to be bigger. We are the body of Christ. And what is the point of the body of Christ, the, the children of God? Well, the promise was, I'm gonna make you into a great nation. I'm gonna bless you. And through you, I'm going to bless the world. So, so through the bloodline, through, through the kingdom of God, the body of Christ, the promise is to be a blessing to the world. Okay, but how, do we, how are we a blessing to the world when it's this isolation? It's about me and I, my thing. Christ is the head of his body. He's the head of this house. He set this thing up. I'm gonna build my church upon this statement right here that I am Christ, I am the Messiah, savior of the world. But a false identity and a false idea has been developed that I can do this on my own. It's never meant to be that way. 
You know what Hebrews says? Hebrews 10 says it this way. Hebrews would tell us in chapter 10, uh, verse 23, let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm for God can be trusted to keep his promise. Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. This process of, man, let's stay committed to the process and let's be, in, be active in, in contributors to developing behaviors and ideas in a body that is God-fearing, God-honoring, that is good, right? As we do this together. Here's verse 25, and let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do. That's a key statement in this generation right now. The body of Christ is vulnerable. Professing Christians are neglecting the body of Christ because I can do it myself. This personal thing, it's between me and God. Really? Because I think God moved towards people. But I thought, I mean, that's the God that I serve. God, for God so loved the world that he sent his son to move in the direction of the world so that he can save the world. That, that's the point. As opposed to, well, these individuals just get Jesus and it's all good. No, I'm building my church. There's a gathering. It's a community of people. Don't neglect coming together. Come together so that you can, so you can uh, uh, support each other, encourage each other. You know, find ways, motivate ways to love each other. Do, like, come together so that you, it's not just about you. It's about building about helping, about loving, about supporting. There are people in this room that have walked through some of the same things you have walked through that your very existence is gonna be the help for them to walk through it. That's the body of Christ. Like there, there's, there's some people in here that need to hear your story of how you grew up so they can feel your pain and say, I've been there before too. How did you overcome? What did you do? Right? We, we, we carry each other's burdens in periods of time. Share your burdens with each other. The New Testament tells us, share them, carry them for, with each other. So it's the point of the body of Christ. It's not just a me thing. It's a we thing. Right? This is what we're called to do. We're called to do this thing together, the body of Christ coming together. Now, unfortunately, in our world today, we become so accustomed to consuming we're just consumers. We're consume, we go out, we consume food, but we're not jumping behind the counter to make anything up. And now, trust me, when I go to a restaurant, please don't be behind the counter, okay? <laughs> Unless you're trained and qualified. But the American concept in this world, we've become so accustomed to the consumer mentality, right? If we talk about we're working to Jesus, I got these problems in my life, I need these things to work out, so I'm going to church. Well, what about Jesus saved me, so I'm at church. I'm working from relationship with Jesus to do everything else for Jesus. I don't just show up to church to consume. Well, I'm trying to get my worship on. Good, you should get your worship on because God is good. He's real good, right? He is worthy of your praise. Yeah, he is. But I'll tell you, it is for him. <laughs> Some of us are in here waiting for us. <laughs> it needs to be for me. It needs to sound right. It needs to vibe right. I mean, they didn't start that off right. That transition wasn't good. Yeah, it probably wasn't. But if you were tuned in, the Holy Spirit would be much better than anything we could ever do. Here's the deal. If we're consumers in this house and we're not contributors, there's nothing this church can do in order to meet your expectations. There's nothing. We will, we will never be good enough. The church will never be good enough for you if you are a consumer. But if you are a contributor you will always be enough to meet the needs that are of those that are walking through these doors that are in desperate need of hope and healing in their life. 
That's why Jesus says, sick people need a hospital. Well, people do not. Well, well, people should be on the other side of it as the nurses and doctors saying, hey, we're waiting for people that are broken. And here's the deal. It's not a pastor. The pastor is shepherding a community to honor God with all of its workings. We are training up the body of Christ as leaders inside of this house in order to do the work of the ministry. We are preaching and teaching, but you are called as the body of Christ to do the work of the ministry. That's not... So it's your responsibility and my responsibility collectively as contributors inside of the house to help people that don't know to be a blessing to the world. Amen. 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 So what are we trying to move? We're trying to move people from the crowd to the core. That's what we're trying to do. Let me walk you through four different steps in the process of what we're trying to do. We are part of the body of Christ. There are people in here that are exploring today. You have not accepted Jesus Christ, but you're looking. You're looking for truth that makes sense. You know you're messed up. You've had something happen inside of your life that you realize you are not enough. Your decisions aren't enough. You come to this place where Jesus is pursuing you individually. You're exploring. Now our responsibility, you are the unchurched individual that is in desperate need to know Jesus Christ because he loves you. We are here to communicate that to you. We want, you to, we want to help you understand that. Jesus is the answer to your problems. He is God's solution for man's problem. Come on. You don't, need another man, you don't need another man's idea for the solution to your problem. You need God's solution, and that is Jesus Christ, your son. Cool, you're exploring. Now you get the growing inside of their faith. This is people that are maturing in their faith. They're on the journey. They're learning. They're discovering. They said yes to Jesus. Okay, yes to Jesus. Now I'm growing. I'm, I'm reading my word. I'm waking up every single day. I'm changing behaviors. I'm changing the way I think by reading God's word, Romans 12, 2. Ah, you know, I'm, I'm developing these behaviors. I'm moving forward inside of my life. I'm growing in my faith. This is still personal. These are all personal things. I'm growing. Now here's where people, most people stop in the American context today. They'll stop right here at close to Christ. It's become enough, right? I got to where I wanted it to be. I'm growing in my faith. I feel good. I know some things now about God's word and his plan. Cool. I'm intellectually stimulated. I feel like I'm in a good place of understanding of how the world works. Cool. I'm reading. I'm praying. I'm doing these things. God is pouring into my life. I feel good. Cool. A lot of people stop right here. The problem with this is God is spoken and brought this into your life to the point where he's speaking to you like you're good now i did all of this work triage everything taking you on the journey that now you are good here's the deal die to yourself die to yourself because it's not about you anymore it's about me and here's what god is trying to do in the american church and us inside of this place need to make sure that we do our body of christ we don't stop close to christ we become Christ-centered. Because this is what it means. As we are close to Christ, we know God wants to bless us. We know God is for us. He has good plans for us. That Jeremiah 29, 11, that's why you hear it a lot in church. We know he, he is for us. But we stop right there because it's selfish. God wants us Christ-centered because we know all of that. But then we realize, oh, we're the body of Christ that God has a promise to Abraham that now we've been grafted in and he wants to bless the world. Now he wants to do it. This is through us. This is through me. I'm partnering with God now in order to build his kingdom. 
I'm, I'm gonna be selfless. I'm gonna lay my life down. I'm gonna serve. I'm gonna give my time, talent, and treasure in order to invest, to contribute to the body of Christ so that the body of Christ can grow because it's not just about me consuming, it's about me contributing. If I'm just close, close to Christ, I'm gonna show up on the weekend, I'm gonna say I'm a Christian, but I may not live it. I may not even care when the body of Christ is vulnerable because I'm not vulnerable. I'm not connected to anybody else. I don't know anybody else in the places in which I go, the church that I attend, I just show up and I leave. The Christ-centered is I get it. I see the big picture. I understand it. And with that, I'm gonna change my life to contribute to it. The body of Christ, this is the benefit Whenever the body of Christ operates as the body of Christ, everybody gets blessed. And everybody around us gets blessed. I love stories inside of our church when individuals are in need. Somebody needs a car, somebody bought them a car. Somebody needed a refrigerator, somebody gave them a refrigerator. I mean, these things happen all over our church community. And I'm not saying that it's not happening, don't get me wrong, but our, our body is growing. We have a body that, man, it's vulnerable because there's people that aren't here that were here before. And now we're working with a, a special ops. I was talking to somebody right before service. We're in a special ops mode. Special ops trains six months for one mission. All the military folks in here, are you with me? Six months trained for one mission because everything's gotta be perfect. One failure can lead to death of many, when they went to, when they went to kill uh, Osama bin Laden, one airplane just clipped the edge of the property wall. And how many of those individuals died? That plane fell over, exploded, right? It was one mishap, but they were specially trained for that one mission. There's a special ops generation. When I'm talking about remnants, this is the remnant, the special ops generation. What's the prophetic word for this year for our church? Remnant, there you go in Jesus' name. That's this prophetic word, the remnant of individuals that are gonna be uncompromised, that are gonna come together to do what needs to be done. Special ops, that's the season that we are in right now. And the beauty is, man, when we could do this, everybody is blessed. You may be exploring, you may be growing. Don't listen to everything I'm saying right now, okay? Just keep on showing back up. But if you have been close to Christ, it's time to cross the divide to be Christ-centered. Time to move from consumer into contributor. Time to go from the crowd to the core, to be a part of this beautiful body that it can be a blessing to everybody. Amen? Amen. So that's one. <laughs> awesome. I'll do this next one very fast because um, I'm a minute over already. All right, so we, number two, uh, we have the benefit of a life in the spirit. Now here's the beautiful thing. John Baptist baptized in water, Jesus baptized in fire. That is the Holy Spirit. It's spirit, right? Uh, uh, Nicodemus asked the question, how do I become born again? I can't jump back into my mother's womb. Jesus said, hey, uh, you gotta be born of the spirit. Spirit gives birth to spirit. And so when we're born uh, of the spirit, man, we come to Jesus Christ, there's salvation in him. We are born of the spirit, but we still are operating in the flesh. Now here's the deal. The flesh is jacked up. We have evil, sin, evil things lurking with inside of us. We talked about the original sin. It's on the inside of her, born into sin. The, the, the mistake of one man, Romans 5 talks about, Adam made this mistake, sin entered into the world for all people, but the, the gift of Jesus Christ, his salvation, it just blessed everybody through it, right? So one bad decision, Jesus' one great act has changed the complete dynamics. 
So we have this, we can, we can live in the spirit now. <clears throat> we can live as overcomers. So he says in here, Romans chapter seven, Paul is having this, 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 uh, this conversation to say, okay, cool. Why do I not do the things that I wanna do? And why do I not do the things that I wanna do? You know, why, why do I have myself where I, I wanna do these things, but I don't? And why do I have these things that I, I, I don't wanna do and I do? Like, why do I do these things? Like, oh, I'm worrying it. Oh, ugh. Now, you may have this inside of your life. You're like, I'm never going to do that, and you end up doing it. I'm never going to do that again, and you end up doing it again, right? We have these things inside of our lives that are behaviors that are of alignment with righteousness. So we have, and Paul is asking, why, blah, blah. And you think with Paul, you're like, he's got it under control. He's got it. He's good. Reality is, no. He's just jacked up. So the questions are in uh, chapter seven. You flip over a chapter to verse number eight, and this is where he says, he's answering the, the question that he's posing inside here. There is now no, uh, there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. And because you belong to him, the power of the life-giving spirit has freed you from what? The power of sin that leads to death. Death, death, death. Okay. I got children, okay? Trolls and up right there. Death, death, death. The law of Moses was unable to save you because of the weakness of our sinful nature. So God did what the law could not do. He sent his own son in a body like the bodies we sinners have. And in that body, God declared an end to what? Sin's control over us by giving us his son as a sacrifice for our sins. Amen? There is no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus now. We are set free from all of that. Now, he did this so that the just requirement of the law would be fully satisfied for us. We no longer follow our sinful nature, but instead we follow what? The Spirit. Amen. So what is that saying? You have no more excuses for the sin that is inside of your life today, right? No more excuses. The power of sin over you that operates from a, the flesh on the inside of you has been broken by the life of Jesus Christ. Amen. We get life in the Spirit now, right? We don't have to live according to our fleshly dictates anymore. Well, I just want to do it. Well, go, that's great. You're like everybody else. That is sinful. If you've received Jesus Christ, that power of sin has been broken. You're a new creation in Christ Jesus. Stop making excuses for the sin and start living by the Spirit. Amen. 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 So the key statement we speak inside of here, what Paul would speak to the church in Galatians. Now, uh, is it Ephesians or Galatians? Galatia, there you go. Uh, it would say this in Galatians. Chapter number five, this is where it gets real, real. Okay, so go with me for a second. But it says this, if you're led by the Spirit, there's different things that are flowing out of you. And it's going to give a, the, the difference between led by the spirit or led by the flesh. So we're going to go down it just for a second, and then I'm going to close. So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. The sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the spirit wants. And the spirit gives us desires that are the opposite of what the sinful nature desires. So this battle is constantly going on inside of our lives. Doesn't matter who you are, where you came from. This is the battle of good and evil, if you want to say it that way. But these two natures are fighting against each other. Spirit. The, the sinful nature and, and the, the, the spirit nature on the inside. It's following the spirit, following our sinful nature. So it says these two forces are constantly fighting each other. So you are not free to carry out your good intentions. But when you are directed by the spirit, you are not under obligation, the obligation of the law of Moses. So flipping over, I want to put these two scriptures next to each other because this is when I'm going to step in and define. I'm speaking really fast. I know, go with me. This word's going to define, here's your sinful nature. This is defining a few things that are a part of it, Okay. So if you are in here today and you're saying, man, I don't have control, this is going to expose where you don't have control in your life, where you have not been set free from the sinful nature, where you aren't being led by the spirit, you're being led by the flesh. 
where you're making excuses and you're not fully stepping into the power of God inside of your life. So one side of it is just gonna broadly do it. The message version is going to explore it, okay? So I'm gonna read the message today because I always read the New Testament version. The message kind of throws it out there, right? It is obvious what kind of life develops out of trying to get your own way all the time or being led by your flesh, in other words, right? Uh, repetitive, lonely, uh, loveless, cheap. Okay, I don't even have to say it for all the kids in the house, right? <clears throat> it's a generation we live in here today. What is it? Sexual immorality of all sorts and types. But it's selfish, sinful, evil desires on the inside that we are living out, justifying culture says it's okay, but God does not. Cool? We're led by the spirit. The power of sin has been broken, amen? So it says this, a, uh, a stinking accumulation of mental and emotional garbage, uh, frenzied and joyless grabs at ha for happiness, trinket gods, we talked about that last week, magic show of religion. We don't want fake religion inside of here. That's why I'll get up in the grill, right?